With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today on Stick to Football, we got a fun one planned for you. Top five tailgate tour locations we've been on over the last two years. We're going to talk about Chase Young's back. Maybe Cam Newton could be traded this offseason. Colin Kaepernick's working out. And we have our college football previews and picks. Mello and Connor looking gorgeous. Check us out on the Bleacher Report YouTube page. Look for the Stick to Football playlist. Fellas. Welcome to the show. Find us on the YouTube. I was thinking about just bringing in a big jug of tea today because I couldn't find any water and just seeing if anybody would notice if they're watching on YouTube or not. Just not say anything. Maybe next week I'll actually remember to do it. I I was wondering the same thing, but we had a little layoff because we don't film at tailgate tour stops. And somebody tweeted at us, hey, are you guys still on YouTube? It's like, yeah, we just missed one episode on the road. We're still on YouTube, still having fun. And we're going to have a fun show today. But before we get to that, I'll let Matt take the floor. We have not one, but two tailgate tour plans to uh, not announce, but keep on rolling with. Maybe more. We don't even know at this point how many we have. But it's coming up quickly. November 22nd, Stanford, Cal. The game is in Stanford. Cal at Stanford. There we go. Palo Alto. The tailgate needs to be at 8 a.m. And I know some of you have tweeted me and asked for the exact location. We don't have it yet, but we will be with tailgate guys again. So the White Tent Village. And we'll be tweeting out as soon as we know an exact location. We'll have drinks. We'll have food. It's going to be a great time. And then December 7th, we will be in Atlanta for the SEC Championship game with Johnsonville doing their tailgate throwdown. It's going to be a great time. The three of us are just hosting their tailgate, which is, yes, a pretty sweet gig. We've actually made it now. We are more back than Texas, so it's going to be uh, fun. Apparently, we're just so good at it. They're like, hey, why don't you just come over here Professional and tailgaters. help us do it? There's also going to be a cornhole tournament that I may or may not try to get in on. It's going to be we, a... Uh, Brock Cookoff. Brock Cookoff. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. So try to make it to one of those. We got one on each coast for you, basically. So spreading the love, gentlemen. And I will say, before we get into the actual show show, um, with Thanksgiving almost here, Christmas, New Year's here, um, throughout those weeks of Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, we will not be able to record on YouTube as much. So you're still going to get three podcasts a week. We would never shortchange you guys, but you probably will not get uh, to see us. We won't be on YouTube. All right, let's get into the show. One dude we are going to get to see in a week. Nice little two-game vacation for Chase Young. As expected, he will be back for the Penn State game. So he is missing. Very important game this weekend against <laughs> New Jersey University. Yes, Rutgers, which they should win 82 nothing. If it's possible to get negative points, Rutgers will get that. That we saw they did last week to Maryland. Chase Young will be back. And I don't know that there's a lot to talk about here. They, they get him back for the stretch run. Penn State, Big Ten Championship game. Those are the two really important ones. But this is a dude we've talked about for weeks now. Number one prospect in the draft. What sucks is this will basically cost him the Heisman Trophy if there was ever going to be a chance of him winning it. It does suck because I do think that uh, another big game, I mean, if he could have done it last week against Maryland, I think he could have been serious contention there for the Heisman Trophy, but now missing two games, like you just you can't get suspended for any reason and win the Heisman Trophy. So now I don't even think he gets invited. I, I think it'd be very tough for him. It sucks. It won't affect his draft status whatsoever, but it does affect our hashtag defense for Heisman. Yeah, rest in peace. Hashtag defense for Heisman this year. We hate to see you go. I mean, you have to think he would have had five sacks in these two games combined, and, and that would have got him really close to that 20 mark that we kept saying he needed to hit. So for that side of it, it sucks. It really, really sucks. But for the Ohio State Buckeye fan side of it, I think you're going to be all right. And he probably could have played some offense here. Like this would have been a great game to get him in a little bit of tight end or something on the goal line. Just not going to happen now that he has the two game suspension. That is like, I would have loved to see him play fullback. Like had a little Mike Brable package. Like right? get him the ball. Like throw some dumps. Get him the ball. Get him yeah, some I mean, he's got to be athletic enough to go I out and catch some dumps. I think he will be. Um, I do want to ask a serious question. Does this affect his draft stock for either of you? No. 
not, not even close. Okay. That wasn't no. really a serious question. No. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. All right. Colin Kaepernick is working out Saturday. And this is weird. And I don't want to get into the politics of it because I think everyone's tired of the politics of it. But Tuesday, the NFL reached out to Colin and said, hey, you want to have a workout? Let's like, hey, you want to go out? And he was like, yeah, of course, because it's been three years. So a little bit, a uh, little bit dusty, wanted to work out. So he's going to go to Atlanta on Saturday, which is odd because most workouts are on Tuesday, but this one's on Saturday. And the NFL just tonight, Thursday night, they said Hugh Jackson will be working Colin out. The two have not talked. They have not scripted this. They have not scheduled it. We know how much work goes into scheduling a pro day, scripting that workout. It's two months of a process of the quarterback going through this with a Jordan Palmer or, you know, Quincy Avery, somebody out there learning, you know, going through, we're going to throw the ball 60 times. Kaepernick doesn't know who he's throwing to. He doesn't know how long the workout is. He doesn't know anything. But 11 NFL teams have committed to say they're going to send someone to watch, which is like, that's a good thing. This feels very sleight of hand to me, and I don't know exactly why. It's like the NFL being like, oh, but look over here. It's infrastructure week. Don't pay attention to the impeachment hearings. Like it's it's just like that. Oh, I, I agree completely. I, I think this is like a Friday news dump type thing where they're giving him an opportunity, but really are they? Are they putting him in the best spot? And it's not their job to. I, I won't go either way of the polit- political side of it. But a Saturday, you're working out with Hugh Jackson. I don't know what receivers you're throwing to. It doesn't seem like a great situation. And honestly, if I'm Kaepernick, I maybe try to do this in the off season because I don't think anybody's going to come in and sweep him up this weekend and say, let's put you on the 53-man roster. I think this is a good look for him for next year, but no team is going to really pull the trigger this year. So I would wait if I were Kaepernick. I would wait and do it in the off season and try to catch on then. There are so many problems with the way this was handled. And the funniest thing is, guys, you didn't even get to mention Joe Philbin will be there doing some of the workouts, oh, too. Well. So if you were disappointed that it was Hugh Jackson, don't worry. Joe Philbin is coming to save the day. Noted quarterback experts. That's right. I think the biggest thing is, one, Brian Flores was very vocal about this in his press conference that, hey, we found out when the media found out. That means it was the middle of the week for a Saturday workout when all of the team's scouts are flying out to college football games, not a Tuesday, which would have been the facility day where everyone's there to watch and had a clean day to travel. I think on Colin's side of it, he almost can't say no or else the idiotic, he doesn't want to play anymore crowd comes out. And for the NFL team side, it's going to be, you know, obviously released who's there. So they almost feel obligated to send someone there. Now, we don't know what level of person that is. I, I think it's just poorly done. I, I don't it's acting like it's doing Kaepernick a favor. And I don't really know how much of a favor it's really doing for him. And I'm with you, Mello. It, it would have been more productive to do this in the spring because every team would have had plenty of time to send higher level decision makers there. Uh, coaches wouldn't have to answer questions about this in their press conferences in the middle of the season the whole time. And most importantly, I think it would have given Colin Kaepernick a fair shake at what this is supposed to be. Yeah, and like for me, I've seen a lot of people saying, like, where's a good fit? I know that of the 11 teams who said they're going to go, like the Patriots would be like funny for Bill Belichick to just raise the middle finger to the NFL. The Cardinals make sense schematically. So I can see that being a factor. But this is also a dude who's, what, 31, 32 years old? And so starting to get up there a little bit, hasn't thrown a football in a game in almost three years. So I am rooting for Cap. It's funny, as a Niners fan, when he was our quarterback, I was like, this guy is not good. We got to get someone else in here. And now, like, there's a, this obvious collusion uh, to keep him out of the league, which is probably what this is really about. It's like, okay, let get him back because, Lord Jesus, some of the guys playing quarterback in the NFL right now are, are just absolutely terrible. So, moving on, Cam Newton. Uh, Ian Rappaport has been all over the Cam Newton news. He was the one who said a couple weeks ago, he's like, hey, he's probably not going to be back in Carolina. He comes out this week, and I thought that was, was very interesting. He reported that Cam Newton would be open to being traded to the Chicago Bears. It's very weird for me to hear that about a player who's under contract with a team right now. Cam will be a free agent after the 2020 season. So he's not going to be a free agent this offseason. Next offseason, he will be. But nonetheless, this news gets reported by... Oddly enough, the network of the league, like this is the league's network. It's not ESPN doing it. So this is something we've talked about for weeks, though, guys. Cam Newton to the Bears makes a lot of sense. And I really wanted to talk about this because 
as what happens with most things on this show, I got in a Twitter argument with some people about this. And so I just wanted to get on here and just talk about it a little bit. But tell me, am I crazy for this? Cam Newton is owed $19.1 million. The Bears right now are projected to have 14 and a half in cap space. Easy math tells us that's a $5 million difference, but they can cut Kyle Long. They can cut Adam Shaheen. They can cut Prince of Mukamara, three guys who are not playing up to their salary level. Adam Shaheen's not even playing. And you can get to the 19-1 very easily. Also, if Cam Newton is open to being traded to Chicago, it stands to reason that he would restructure some of that money, maybe take the cash up front so that you don't get the big cap hit. Doesn't this seem like if you want Cam Newton and you're the Chicago Bears, you can find a way to make this happen? Yeah, and I think you could for a pretty reasonable price, too, because I think they're happy with Kyle Allen. And he's been so banged up over the last two years. He's barely been on the field, it seems like. So I do think that the Bears need to pull the trigger on this thing. Uh, It's just not working at quarterback. I think we all three probably thought Trubisky was going to have a better year and at least take a leap, and it hasn't happened. I actually think it looks like he's regressed a lot this year. I think that you have to take a chance on another quarterback, and you probably can't go out and draft a guy, but if you get a former you know, MVP caliber quarterback, you can say, well, you know, like the Peyton Manning situation with Tim Tebow. You bring in the veteran to try to help you win a Super Bowl with a great defense. I, I don't think Cam Newton is the same player that he used to be, but I think that he's better than what Trubisky can be, and with this defense... Running the ball, maybe they'll give David Montgomery the ball a little bit more. They could actually have something a little bit better than what they have now on offense. I think when you look at the situation, you got to ask, what is the compensation going to be if right. this happened? Because we know the Bears are low on draft capital. I don't know. I feel like Carolina, in a way, has kind of tanked Cam's value. I mean, when you sit there and you pretty much say, hey, we're comfortable moving forward with the guy we have that's not a superstar, but is definitely overachieved by all means. And you look at the salary on Cam's on Cam's contract with one year left after this year in terms of quarterbacks, it's actually somewhat reasonable. So I think that's going to be the biggest question here, because in terms of the fit, it is easily an upgrade and one that a team that has to find one. I mean, and, sorry, go ahead. Teddy Bridgewater could get more than nineteen million. Yeah, I think he will. Yeah, and that's the kind of the market that you're going to be sitting with. Sitting with, you have to move on from Trubisky. You can't have him out there another year. I don't think you're paying so much money for this defense to be elite. You need to win right now with somebody better at quarterback. And I will say, like to Connor's point about draft capital, the Bears have two twos. They don't have a one or a three. Uh, nor do they have a four actually. So and then they have three fives, a six, and a seven. I, I sketched this out and said this is going to be a lot like the Alex Smith trade, which was for Kendall Fuller and a three. Like if the Bears wanted to send a 2021 three and Leonard Floyd, who says no to that deal? Yeah, I well, think so it might too. Be, it might be for a guy who's coming off foot and shoulder injuries That's and a is a free agent yeah. after next year. So I think one of those twos might get the job done. Well, yeah. I mean, if you wanted to get rid of a two, that would do it. I just like, If you're trying to save because... This team is not where we thought they would be. It's the offensive line needs help. They do need a little bit more help on defense. So I just, if you don't want to give up all your draft capital, that might be a way to get it done. All right, we have the Steelers at Browns as we are recording Thursday late afternoon. This game has not happened yet. So if you're new to the podcast, this is Blind Review. Mello, and just like Devin Bush has been doing, we're going to go ahead and predict this game. He is money. And so are we, because this Steelers defense is going to ball out. I'm going to follow lead here. The six sacks, one interception, and one fumble recovery that the Steelers have tonight on defense, exceptional. Uh, Baker Mayfield, again, throws more interceptions than he does touchdowns. That's a rough look for the Browns. I know that they probably wanted to get things back on track. Mason Rudolph looked pretty damn good. Uh, the running game got going for the Steelers, and you just can't stop Juju Smith-Schuster. I love it. And well, you know what surprises me most? Freddie Kitchens fired right after the game. You know, the Browns have Woo! fired like their last six head coach has been fired right after a Steelers game. I'm just trying to keep the juju going. No, I am going to say it's shocking how bad the Browns are with that much talent. Even with Nick Chubb having a very good game last night, the Steelers able to get it done. We need to start talking about J.J. Watt as maybe one of the leaders for defensive player of the year. And Devin Bush, who a little bit of a slow start, maybe he's right up there. If it wasn't for Nick Bosa and Josh Allen, we'd be talking about him as defensive rookie of the year. So the Steelers keep on rolling, baby. This is a team that's going to make the wild card. You can put it in ink. 
wild card for the Steelers. It's pretty shocking with Mason Rudolph back there that they are still winning football games like this. But the defense has been that good. The Minka Fitzpatrick trade, it looks brilliant for them right now. And there was a lot of haters for that trade. And on the Brown side of things, they got to stop turning over the football. They have all these stars on offense and they just don't get them involved enough. And most importantly, Freddie Kitchens, man, you got to learn how to use, keep your timeouts, use your challenges. I just don't think he knows what he's doing down there in game situations, guys. All right, that's it. That's our segment one. When we come back, college football preview and picks. It's time for me to get caught back up with these two. It is time to pick some college games. We're going to preview them a little bit as well. I have fallen behind. I don't, I guess I've just stopped caring. I'm at 40 and 20 on the year, which is still pretty good. Mello's at 42 and 18. Connor, who's one week behind us, is 35 and 15. So I must have missed another week. We did. Because I'm looking, I'm looking at this. I'm like, I'm 10 games behind. We did 10 the first week. Oh, that makes sense. (laughs) I'm like, this does not add up. Simple math here on the sticks of football. You should be five behind your back. Yeah, we were really aggressive week one. We didn't have anything else to do. All right, this is actually a good weekend of college football. 21 Navy at number 16, Notre Dame. I don't want to pick anyone in this game because for some reason, I don't like either of these schools a whole lot. Um, And I think Brian Kelly is actually coaching for his job more than has been talked about. For that reason, and because they're playing at home, I'm going to take the Fighting Irish. But I like, and I believe I've said this about a lot of teams lately and been right. I don't feel great about this, though. Uh, I'm going to pick the Irish as well, but this is another game like uh, Minnesota Penn State. I'm rooting for Navy. Uh, I definitely want to see them win. They are scoring 40 points a game this year. I I know they don't have a a very tough schedule, but that's pretty impressive to run the offense that they do, scoring 40 points a game. I want to see them win. I just don't think that they have the skill players to beat Notre Dame, who's still bringing in a lot of five-star recruits and four-star guys. It's just hard to beat them when they have so many more talented players. So here's your stick to football fun fact of the week here. Notre Dame leads this series 76. They're 76, 13 and one against Navy. And there was one point of this rivalry that Notre Dame had a 43 game winning streak, but times are changing and Navy is winning this football game this weekend. And I can't wait to watch it. Wow. I mean, without Roger Staubach, which is probably the last time they beat. I mean, when was the last time that this was like a five-point difference in the ranking? That Yeah, that's yeah. pretty crazy. Well, 2016, Navy won. Oh. So it wasn't that long ago because Notre Dame always has games like this where right. they just mm-hmm. lose and there's no reason why. Uh, Navy won by a point, and they won three times before that. But basically, they had a 43-game winning streak from 1964 to 2006. I like Gosh, it. That's impressive. Wow. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Against any team. No, yeah, that's just yes. really, really good. Except for Rutgers. Yeah, that's amazing. All right, Wake Forest at number three, Clemson. Clemson has been playing really well. Started the year, we were kind of like, God, what's wrong with Clemson? I don't know if you guys noticed. Trevor Lawrence is good again, or still, or however yeah, you want to qualify that. And the defense is starting to come together a little bit. Wake Forest does have some talent, especially wide receiver Sage Surratt, but... No way in hell they can go into Death Valley and beat Clemson. No, this point, 34-point spread here. Uh, and I think that Clemson probably gets it. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has been playing exceptionally well. And I think a lot of people started to sleep on Clemson. And as soon as they did, they started playing very well again. I think Travis Etienne can have a big game here. He is still just torching people. Uh, had a couple 200-yard games. Seems like every time I turn on the TVs, he's got like 80-yard run here and there. I think the receivers play very well. I do want to see what Jamie Newman and Surratt can do against a pretty damn good Clemson defense. I don't think it will be enough. I'm going to say Clemson. I'm even going to take the points. 34 points. I don't care. Well, I hate to break it to you guys, but Strat is out for the year. So this is not going to be pretty. Strat is out for the year. I believe their number two receiver is out. And I know one of their top running backs was hurt. So... Listen, I was excited about the quarterback there, too, but a lot of his help around him has gotten hurt recently. And for Surratt, he's going to have a really interesting draft decision to make now, but Clemson's going to romp in this game. See what happens when we drive home from Alabama? We miss all this news. Yeah. Wow. They out for the year. Hurt shoulder. Damn. That does suck. I was very excited (laughs) to see him against AJ uh, Terrell. So my apologies on the uh, lack of news there. I don't know how the hell I missed that. Thank you, Connor. All right. Number five, Georgia at number 13, Auburn. 
I think this is a sneaky contest for Jake Fromm and the Georgia Bulldogs, who Jake Fromm, we talked about at midweek, has not been super productive this year. Auburn, we have talked a lot about that D-line led by Derek Brown, who's a top 10 player on all three of our draft boards. That said, I think Georgia can go on the road and win this game. It'll, I think it will be a very close game because the Auburn defense, it's not just Derek Brown. Nick Coe's very good. They have some dudes in the secondary that can fly around and make plays. And I, I like Bo Nix. I just don't think he can outduel Georgia. Yeah, and think about what you just said there. That I like Bo uh, Nix? <laughs> I think a lot of people like the like, Bo Nix story. <laughs> I, I like him as a college kid. I don't even like him yet. I, I hate how much attention he gets for just being an okay freshman quarterback. Not even like a good freshman quarterback. He's got a lot of potential. Maybe he'll live up to it. Not this Saturday against Georgia. I'm picking Georgia. I actually think DeAndre Swift is just going to be too much. They get this guy the ball in a lot of different ways. I think that he can be dangerous in the passing game because they are going to be able to stop the middle uh, with Derek Brown. But I, I do think that Georgia just has too much talent. I think that Jake Fromm will have a pretty good game because he does do well under pressure. He plays well in big games. And now that we're in November, that's what this is. I mean, a top 25 matchup against Auburn. I expect a good game from everyone on that Georgia team. They're going to be really in it this weekend, trying to keep in that playoff spot that they're in right now. For some reason, I'm taking Georgia. Yeah, the Georgia defense is cooking right now. They've shut out two of their last three opponents. They're on fire. Uh, I don't think Bo Nix in this Auburn offense is really going to do much in this game. I do like the Auburn defense, and I think they're going to give Jake Fromm, DeAndre Swift a couple problems. I know that Georgia offensive line had a couple guys get banged up last week, so going to be curious to see how that unit looks. But I think in a very, very low scoring, probably a boring old school style <laughs> football game, Georgia will win. Number seven, Minnesota still rowing that undefeated boat at the number boat. 23 Iowa right into those pink locker rooms the Hawkeyes are favored in this game by three which if you know anything about football you know that just means home field advantage I did not want to pick this game it took me a long time to key in what I wanted to do I took Iowa I feel no pleasure at all in saying that I feel zero confidence in saying that. It's just that they're at home. That is the only reason I think they win this game. Yeah, and I just switched my pick, too. I, I had a lot of problems here because I like Minnesota. I've been rooting for I these guys all year. I love P.J. Flack. If I had a coaching vacancy, I would try to fill it with P.J. Flack. Uh, any level, I don't care. I think he's doing a wonderful job there with the upset of Penn State. I think that they're actually going to be able to ride that momentum a little bit into Iowa. I haven't been impressed with what Iowa's done so far this year. They're 6-3, and three, just lost to Wisconsin. I think that Minnesota and the Gophers can roll in there with a lot of momentum, with a lot of weapons on that offense, and I think that they can beat Iowa. Listen, I, I was very wrong because I thought Penn State would blow out Minnesota yep. last week, and Minnesota just keeps on winning. I don't really understand... I, last time I looked on FanDuel, and maybe I was just tired or I don't know, I thought Iowa was favored in this game. They are like pretty decent. Yeah. They are, right? Yeah, they are. Why? What have they done to deserve to be favored over Minnesota right they now? They have those pink locker rooms. I, I don't get it. I, I guess the thought of playing at Iowa always scares everyone. I forget who it was. Somebody was laughing at me. I bet on Penn State when they went there, and they're like, never bet against Iowa at home. It's like this isn't – not to hate on Iowa. This isn't your typical Iowa team this year. And I think Stanley struggled a bit. I just think Minnesota is going to get the job done. I'm excited to watch them play. This is a true challenge for them, but I don't think this Iowa team is the one to stop. My them. only thing that I'll say since I'm the, the idiot that picked Iowa, I wonder if Minnesota kind of shot their load last week. Like you beat Penn State and it's like, oh my God, we beat Penn State. We belong. Well, now you're feeling yourself a little right. bit. You're like, oh and my you're God. Like, oh, it's like the classic trap game. There's my Flex crazy though. expert analysis. He's a maniac. He is crazy. He's absolutely crazy. All right. Last game, number 10, Oklahoma at number 12, Baylor. Oklahoma should win this game. It should be high scoring. That's one thing I'll say. Um, the over-under is at 67 and a half. I would take the over. This will be high scoring, but I think Oklahoma wins by like two touchdowns. Baylor just has no one defensively that can stop C.D. Lamb. Yeah. I don't know if anyone in the country does, but Baylor definitely doesn't. And I agree with you. I, I think a lot of people, and this is going to sound really weird coming from me, 
are sleeping on Oklahoma. They played like shit against K-State uh, and barely lost that game. But that's it. Other than that, they've played pretty damn well this year. I think they have a very good football team. I think that with Jalen Hurts, they can kind of control the clock and what they do. Uh, they didn't play that great against Iowa State. That's a good defense, though, at Iowa State. And they put up 42 points on them. Uh, killed West Virginia. Beat Texas. Uh, I really believe that this Oklahoma team is still one of the top probably eight teams in the nation. And I wouldn't want to face them. I think that Lincoln Riley has his guys ready. I think they handle this Baylor team with ease. I really wanted to pick Baylor in this one, but I I think they finally ran into a buzzsaw here in Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma is going to score a million points in this game. If Matt Rule gets this one done, he could pick his NFL job. I agree with you right now. He's coach of the year if he gets this one. All right, it is time for the super underdog locksmith game of the week to bet your money on because Melo does not have the nuts to bet his own money on. The reason I read that this week for you, how are our Texas Longhorns not featured in this segment? They're the underdog against Iowa State. I'm, seven I'm taking Texas minus. They're plus seven against Iowa State on the road. Come on. I'm taking Texas. Bet with your brain, not your heart, buddy. I, I, I don't think that they're <laughs> going to win go. that game. Uh, I don't like a lot of the upsets in this the schedule this week, but I do like the points on one of these games. UCLA plus 21 and a half at Utah. I don't think that they can beat Utah, but that's a shitload of points for a team that has a very good defense and doesn't score a whole lot of points offensively. I don't know that we're going to see a lot of points here, so I think that UCLA can keep it close. I don't think they'll upset them. I think Utah has too much to play for, but they're going to keep this game close. UCLA has been playing very well recently. They can score some points. They can stop Utah a little bit. Guarantee it. They will not lose by 22 points. The tailgate tour has been going for two seasons now, officially, unofficially, it's been going my entire life, and we thought this would be a good time to just step back and rank our favorite tailgate spots. Basically, this is us pissing you off as football fans. It's going to be a good time. So, with that said, uh, and because we're talking tailgates, I'm going to crack a beer. Yeah, well, I won't complain about it on here. If you're watching on YouTube, you can maybe see the top of my can. I know what kind of beer I'm drinking. I'll hide it a little bit there. Nope, they're just tall. Okay, all right. Uh, Let's start with number one. Uh, We're going to go one through five, one being the best, obviously. Number one for me, and this is like without a doubt, is LSU in 2018. We went to Baton Rouge having never been, not knowing what to expect, and also thinking that Georgia was going to win. So we go, and we do our show. Jacob Hester comes by. We've got the crew there. Austin's there. Heisler's there. And, like, we're just having a great time. My favorite thing about LSU, it was the weather was beautiful. But it was that the people around us. Like, I think tailgating is great when it's a community. And LSU was a community. The tents beside us got involved. They were coming to our tent. We were going to theirs. People were bringing gumbo and jambalaya. We were playing beer pong. David from The Bachelor was there. It was just a great (laughs) event. And then we saw a guy, you guys did, I don't remember it, eat the concrete, trying to walk. You guys got to see Mike the Tiger. I got to ride a golf cart. He's not making this up either. All of those things happened. No, all that happened. That guy died. The guy who passed out at the tailgate oh. with one shoe on. And then he then he woke up and he was Australian. <laughs> but he didn't fall asleep Australian. Right. So many great things. <laughs> and I think that's why we Everyone. have it unanimously across the board. All of us agree. Baton Rouge was the best stop. That's where I had my first bang ever. And that oh, really yeah. set the tempo. If you remember the first time you ever had a bang, I think I had two back-to-back back drinks. <laughs> Yeah, by the way, <laughs> other kind that happened a long time ago. I was at least 27. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, though. And it was a lot. I mean, the past weekend, we didn't have a lot of great interactions with other tailgates. At LSU, it was such a huge community of, oh, you guys have this? Great. Well, come try this. Uh, my favorite moment was smoking everybody a beer pong. Yeah, I mean, you went I, on a tear. I think I threw the ball like 10 times. and We just... Swept it. It was amazing. Great tailgate, so much though, fun. Obviously, it, yeah, it's funny that yeah nobody wanted to be our friend in Tuscaloosa unless we already knew them. Except Landon Collins. Landon Collins was super cool. But every tailgate around it us was, was great. Like, yeah, like we do our thing here and like don't talk to anyone. Not to hate on Tuscaloosa, we still had a really good. Yeah, we still had a really good time. But LSU list, 2018. That. I mean, just to put it in, to describe it was. Uh, you get fed jumble lot. Like you just 
walk around and people are pulling you in. They're like, Some I will really feed good. you. And I'm like, yes. And then I lose yeah. Matt and I find him on Instagram live riding around in a golf cart and the crowd at the game. I mean, the LSU fans, I might be willing to say they are yep. the best football fans in the country. Uh, definitely the best that we have been to. Number two, and this one was also unanimous, oh, so Wisconsin 2019. We rented out the beer garden at Jordan's Big, Big Ten. 1,500 people came. We gave out Merck's cheese like it was cheese. And, I mean, we plowed through so many free beer tickets. It was a great time. That many people all cheering for the same team was wonderful. We had the Stick to Football Hall of Fame there. We had a great dinner with them the night before. Awesome tailgate. I fell in love with the city of Madison. Having never been there, I understand the hype now, why it's always rated one of the best college towns in the country. Great food, awesome, amazing beer, as you would expect. A lot of good cheese. And uh, if you're into tall blondes, Madison, Wisconsin is your place. Hand up. That's me. Uh, I agree with you. I have it number two. Uh, I feel like this was the longest tailgate. Uh, Matt, I know you and I, what time did we start? Seven? Yeah. I don't remember getting to bed until 1.30 a.m., I think. I rode a mechanical bull. You rode a mechanical bull, danced our asses off, and that was all, like, afterwards. So, Madison, yeah, great stop. Well, usually Loved when we have, like, a 6 or 7 a.m. call time, us three don't go out at night. Like, we usually go get dinner, but we don't go, like, out into the night. In Madison, we regrouped after dinner and got to go out and see some of the nightlife, and it was a blast. And once again, the people at Madison, great environment, great football town. Everybody walking to the stadium, Mm -hmm. and, I mean, they romped that day. They smoked Michigan, so everyone was really excited. But even the Michigan fans there were a blast. Like, there was no hostile feelings there. Between the fans. It was just a really, really good time. And I'll I'll say Madison, just like Baton Rouge, will always be one of my favorite football towns I've ever been to. All right, here's where the list gets a little bit different. One and two are unanimous. Like I said, Alabama does not make the list for me. And I will speak on that momentarily. I was not impressed with the hospitality of Alabama fans, which you would expect in the South. You know, like, oh, we're all buddies. We're all friends. Like, nope. It was more like, fuck you, stay in your tent. Okay, so moving on. Number three on my list. I wonder if that had anything to do with some of the other people that were in Tuscaloosa. But it's not like <laughs> we weren't flying like Obama flags in our tent. Like, no one's like I, looking over. It was just a joke. It was supposed the to be. The people that report. came That's for CNN. our tailgate were awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Like, yeah. really Amazing. Awesome. But, and a lot of people did. Well, in behind the scenes, look, you, we kind of used these tailgates as advertising, too, to try to pull in more listeners that are college football fans. Yep. But a lot of people in Tuscaloosa were just like, eh, we're going to stay over here. But we were like, we have free beer. We have free we have food. Collins we have all here. these great <laughs> guests coming in to talk. And they just didn't give a shit at all. Yeah. It's amazing. So, the, yeah, whatever. To the people who came... It was amazing. I think that was one of our best turnouts as far as listener interaction. So we we do appreciate that. Number three on my list, Arrowhead 2019. I think Arrowhead is the best tailgating spot in the NFL. And I will throw hands on that. That's the tweet. Arrowhead's the best. 2019 was great. We had Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend, Brittany, come by. She's a celebrity in Kansas City. She needed security to get to our tailgate. We were with the Lot J crew. We had the tailgate RV with the TVs going we had I mean, we didn't have to take anything to this tailgate, which was amazing. They fed us. They bought us the, all the beer we needed. We showed up, did a podcast, hung out, left. It was beautiful. It was it was f- great weather. And people in Kansas City, we were talking about the community aspect. This entire parking lot, this entire section of the parking lot, they tailgate together every week. And so it is like a big family, and they're super welcoming. So if you're ever going to a Chiefs game, if you're a Chiefs fan or a fan of the opposing team, Go to Lot J. Tell them you're friends with the Stick to Football guys. You will be fed. You will be beard. It will be fantastic. I agree with you. I had kind of blocked that one out of my brain because of the loss. Uh, it, but it was a great tailgate. For me, number three, I'm going with the Red River game, which was another uh, loss. But <laughs> all your teams lose when we go. Uh, yeah, apparently, except for LSU. Uh, they are 3-0 and on the tailgate tour, by the way. You're welcome. I really had a lot of fun just interacting with a lot of our listeners. 
uh, going out, having Mexican food, meeting Molina. Uh, Mags was there again. It was a really great environment. And then just continuing that party throughout the day, throughout the tailgate, even though we weren't in the scene. Uh, yeah, Dallas that was, was fun. packed with people, but we Dallas still had a, a good lot time. Of fun. We had a really good time even after that game. Number three for me, I went with Ohio State 2018. Another little bit of a throwback here. This one started out rough because we got up at like 5 a.m. and it was freezing yeah. rain. And we had the trailer with us, so we had to set up the trailer in the freezing rain. But once the sun came up and everybody came out, we had a great time. And that was when Ohio State, uh, you've heard this one before on the tailgate tour, throttled Michigan. We're <laughs> <And laughs> <laughs> bad luck for Michigan and the Texas. Michigan fans had a good time up else. until that with us. The Ohio State fans had a good time. We had some really good questions from the audience that day when we did the show in the trailer. I mean, it was a blast. Columbus is a really, really good time when Ohio State's good, and it seems like they always are. So I I really enjoyed that trip. And that's number four for me. Like you said, showing up in the dark with freezing rain to to get the RV set up. There was a dude standing in the rain with a 30 and natty waiting for us. And don't, yes. So, like, that's when you know, like, okay, this is good. Our old boss, Jesse, had to, like, hide in the truck all day because it was so cold. Like, no one. She might have died. No we one was prepared for the her. weather at all. But it was great. And, again, the community, there was the dude who was making us, uh, like, hot chocolates and With Jack Bailey's. Daniels and, and bringing and Bailey's. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. And hot chocolate. And, like, just an amazing tailgate. A great turnout. I did get hit in the head with a football, Ian Rappaport style. <laughs> and I still remember who threw it. And I'm still mad at you, in case you're wondering. Uh, that was a great tailgate. And it's number four on my list. But honestly, I should probably move it to number three. That's right. Our parents were there. <laughs> oh, Matt, they were. We got so fucking cold. We had to call on our parents to bring us like extra gloves. Not us, and socks. by the way. We had a grill, I was dressed too, fine, which was you sweet. were concussed. <laughs> we did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm. Yeah, I'm going to rearrange this. I'm going to put it at number three. Despite the weather, it was a great tailgate. Dan Alter doing lot. laps every time that Ohio State scored. That. Girl and her boyfriend. The girl had to take her dip out to the, chug no, a beer? No, not that one. The one that... Oh, yeah. Uh, the yep. pilot. Yep. Anyway. Uh, and then... Just Inside jokes are great, great for podcasts. Great, <laughs> great scene and environment. I, I would go back to Columbus. All right. Well, number four sure we for will. me, since I had Ohio State at three, number four, just because it was more different than anything we've ever done, is London. And... It was great to see our London listeners or just our Euro listeners or wherever anyone came from come out to the pub, had a good time with us. We watched Red Zone. I think we learned some hard lessons out in London, some hurdles that it's hard to find a place with all the games on that isn't the casino. Uh, You know, it's tricky to choose between having the tailgate. You know, while all the fans, some fans are at the game, some fans want to stay with us, some fans want to do both. But just seeing the city of London and being across the pond for a tailgate kind of show how far the reach of stick to football is. And if the opportunity ever comes up to do another international trip, it would be a lot of fun to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Number five on my list. I'm going to take Dallas 2019. We've spent a lot of time in Texas over the last two years, especially, and never disappoints. The And Dallas this year was great because, like Melo said, we got to hang out. You know, like Friday night before the game, we're hanging out with Des Bryant and Raymond Felton and the Mahomes family. Like, it's such a surreal night for a couple of guys, you know, a group of three guys from small towns, Connor in New, upstate New York, yep. us in the middle of fucking nowhere, Missouri, to be like, oh, just drink a beer. Des Bryant. This is cool. No big deal. Not a big deal. And, you know, like just that, again, the hospitality. uh, We had a great setup at Off the Cuff. Yes, Texas lost. And, like, that part, I wasn't even upset because we had had such a good day. (laughs) And that hole in the wall Mexican, I was a little pissed. That hole in the wall Mexican joint that we found that night was was really really good. Best fajitas I've ever had. Yeah. Like, there's Chili's fajitas (laughs) in that place. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Who doesn't say that all the time? Right. Uh, Number five for me, I'm going to go with Texas also, but I'm going to go with like the first stop on our tailgate tour. First ever. When we went to Austin and we really didn't know what we were doing in 2018, we just showed up at a tailgate with a bunch of beer. We had the time of our lives. Uh, We, Matt and I both got drunk before the game. It takes a lot of beer to get us drunk. We both got there, though. <laughs> I think we took like 300 beers and we killed did. them in about two hours, thanks to the Hellraisers at Texas. It was it was a great scene, and it really set the the vibe. It set the standard for I'm what we wanted tailgates to be. I'm a little upset I missed that one. The, the original debut of the tailgate tour. My first one was TCU, and Mello was 
near death. <laughs> yeah, you could say yeah, I, well, died. I died. Just, I you know, everyone like stands yeah. around like holding their beers. Nice people, fun people, beautiful campus. Very very chill Not, tailgate. Right. Uh, my last one here is Jets Browns. A little home bias here. I just love being in the MetLife parking lot. I mean, I've been going to the Meadowlands since I was literally like a barely walk. My dad just used to carry me everywhere. So I think when we partnered with the Winter Bros. That bus they have that they take to the game is one of the most impressive yeah. things I've ever seen. They fed us. They had a million beers for everyone. Uh, Luke Falk sucked against the Browns. The game was miserable. But this is about the tailgates, not the football. And we had a really good time in MetLife. And if you want us to come to your tailgate next year, uh, we have a good schedule, a loose schedule. But... We can still be persuaded, especially with gifts. So tweet us at stick to football or to any of us individually. Let us know where you want us to be tailgating next year. Let's take a break. We come back. We'll close this thing out with some draft on draft. It is draft on draft time. Our first question from Michael Greenspan. That's a good name. How would you compare Isaiah Simmons athletically to someone like Sean Taylor back in the day? That's an interesting comp. Um, Sean was enormous, especially for a safety. So I think you have to look at it like, are we talking about Miami rookie year or like third season with the Redskins when he kind of cut weight and really blossomed as a player? I don't see it because Simmons is 6'4", 235, 240. I compared him to Tremaine Edmonds earlier this week, and that's kind of my running comp for him. But I think sometimes guys like Simmons come along where there's just not going to be a really good comp because a lot of the more athletic linebackers are shorter than him, and a lot of the hybrid safeties are going to be lighter than him. So there's just it's not easy to find a comp. Yeah, and I think when you look at it athletically, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet pretty recently of Isaiah Simmons and Travis Etienne running at 40 together, and they are right there, neck and neck. Like I honestly, I watched the video like four times. I don't know who won. Now, I don't know if we've seen an athlete like Isaiah Simmons before on defense. He can literally do anything you want him to do. So that's why I'm saying there's not a comp for him. I don't think we've seen even a guy like Devin White, who was an exceptional athlete, doesn't have the coverage ability that Isaiah Simmons does. And other linebackers can't rush the quarterback the way he does. So it's hard to say without combine testing and numbers in front of us. He looks like one of the most athletic players I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree. And when you look at Sean Taylor, he did not do any of the athletic testing at the NFL Combine. He participated in Miami's Pro Day. He was about 6'2 and a half, 230 pounds, but he ran a 4'5'1". I think Simmons is going to run faster than that. And, I do too. I think bigger. he'll get in 4'4". Exactly. Yeah. Now, 39-inch vertical, I think Simmons could do that. And 10-foot, 1-inch broad, 11 reps on the bench. I think Simmons will shatter probably everything Sean Taylor did at the Miami Pro Day. Now, on the field, Sean Taylor was a little bit different. So, you know, but if you're going for an athletic comp, you guys nailed it. uh, Isaiah Simmons is rare. Yeah, and that's why that's why I liked Tremaine Edmonds. Like, you're kind of getting another one of those guys where it's like, all right, the size is there, but... Uh, still, I mean, it's different because what did Tremaine run? Four five four, actually. That's pretty damn good. So maybe we'll see. It'll be a lot of fun once we get numbers. Our guy Mags. This year, the top five quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of QBR: Dak, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Deshaun Watson are all unique quarterbacks and he, unique quarterbacks who were liked less by old school scouts. Will their success create real change in how quarterbacks are evaluated, or will the majority of teams stay stuck in the past? It's already changed. I know like we sometimes get caught in this verbiage of will Lamar Jackson change the NFL? He already has. You know, will Deshaun Watson change the NFL? I don't know like Deshaun is not unique in terms of prototypical quarterbacks from eight years ago. What did we look for? That's actually Deshaun Watson. Like he's still very prototypical. And I think you would say the same for Dak and the same for Russ, except for Russ is short. Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, I think are the real difference makers, but we've seen that effect of Kyler Murray going first overall. Kyler's playing really well this year. So yes, I think the league has changed, but what I want to caution people about is you can't just say, I want Lamar Jackson or I want Patrick Mahomes. Those guys are very, very rare. Someone uh, someone played quarterback like Lamar Jackson. I can't think of a quarterback in college like him right now. And I definitely can't think of anyone with Mahomes' natural tools. So, like, yes, they've changed the game, but I don't think this means we're going to see Khalil Tate drafted in the first no. round. 
No, but I do think you kind of hit the nail on the head where you say the NFL has already changed. Uh, you look at a guy like Drew Locke last year. Five years ago, the NFL would have fell in love with him. He probably would have been the first overall pick. Uh, but now we're kind of going more towards athletic quarterbacks where we want to see a guy like Deshaun Watson or even last year, Kyler Murray, going first overall. Ten years ago, he doesn't get drafted. He's playing baseball right now. Yeah. Uh, so the NFL has changed a lot. And I do think that more people will get on board now that we're seeing guys like Lamar Jackson uh, play the way that they are. I think Russell Wilson is probably the guy that really helped change things with his athletic ability and uh, moving around the pocket. I, I think that's just the way that the quarterbacks are going to have to be because that's what the college level is bringing up to the NFL. And then you just kind of have to play with what they give you. I think the height thing is a big one, and I think Russ really started to shatter that. I think a lot of this conversation of will this change things, will Lamar change things? We haven't seen someone like Lamar since Vic. And before and that was in 2001. Before Vic, who, who was it? You know what I mean? Like, I want to be very clear. You don't get a Lamar Jackson really every – you get one a decade maybe, maybe. At this point, well, and good luck finding him because yeah. even the three of us thought he was going to suck at quarterback. I, and the NFL didn't draft him yeah. until 32 overall. Yeah. I, I really did I, like him, but I understood the concerns of growth as a passer. With what I think, where it's interesting, like Mahomes is the one for me I look at. And it, like the way the league, the ability to improvise matters so much in today's game with the way they protect and, the quarterbacks. Yep. Go ahead, Matt. I would say with Pat and with Lamar. Not to discount either of them, but where they ended up matters. Because if sure. John Harbaugh, midway through last season, hadn't said, fuck it, this isn't working anymore, we got to try something else, Lamar Jackson might have bounced. And if Pat doesn't go to Kansas City, if he goes to Cleveland, I think Pat is still going to be a good quarterback, but I think it would have taken a lot longer. So situation matters. Baker Mayfield is as bad of a quarterback as what we've seen him this year. And that's that whole Cleveland situation. And Freddie Kitchens just fucking sucking. Uh, But, you know, a guy like Dak even is surrounded by a lot of talent and a very good offensive coordinator this year. We've really seen him take a step forward. So a lot of it is still situational. Yeah, it is. It's and I love quarterback uh, evaluation more than anything other than my children probably. But it's it's so fluid, and well, the, the league does change so often. Okay, but we're looking at all these athletic guys. Two is not athletic. No, like, thank he you. can move around a little bit. He's not. He's not an athletic quarterback. I heard he's Colin not Cowherd even a say today guy. that he was Kyler Murray, and I almost drove my oh, car God, into a no. light pole. It's like <laughs> I like you, Colin, but no, no. Yeah. And even Joe Burrow, like, he's pretty good athletically. I wouldn't say that he's even, like, a dual-threat quarterback. Jalen Hurts isn't as athletic as Kyler or Lamar. Yeah, he's one of the most athletic quarterbacks we've seen. He's going to run in the mid-four-sixes. Kyler would have run in the four-threes. So would Lamar. Like, that's that's not normal type speed. All right, this is we could have a whole hour about this. Pat Chamberlain, apart from Delpit and McKinney, this safety class seems to lack big names. What do you guys make of this year's safety class as a whole, and how does it compare to prior years? Any sleepers we should know about? I am with you here, Patty. I don't think it's a great safety class, but there is good depth here. Like Grant Delpit uh, is a big name. I don't think he's playing as well as his ranking. No. Xavier McKinney, Really good player, best free safety in the class. After that, you know, there are not a lot of big names. I think guys like Ashton Davis, who's going to be at the Senior Bowl. Kyle Duggar, who's probably going to be a hybrid type guy, who's going to be at the Senior Bowl. Brandon Jones at Texas, hybrid type guy, going to be at the Senior Bowl. Those are the ones I'm interested in, like Jordan Fuller um, from Ohio State. Uh, LeCount from Georgia, Caleb on Wallace, or Kayvon Wallace, excuse me, from Clemson. Those are the like names that intrigue me at this point. It's not like last year where I really liked last year's safety class. And it was like, damn, there might be five or six starters in last year's safety class. And, you know, we saw guys like Darnell Savage, great senior bowl, great combine, shoots up the board. And it, it sets the tempo. We saw a lot of safeties fly off after that. So I don't think this year is anywhere close to last year. No, I don't either. I'll tell you one guy that I would watch is Greg Eisworth at Iowa State. I really like the way that he plays and the way that he leads that defense. Uh, I haven't checked to see if he's a senior bowl guy yet, but I hope that he does get the invite. He's a leader. He can play probably more box safety. He's about six foot, 198. Smaller guy, but man, watch him play. Iowa State versus Texas this weekend. Watch him play. The guy is all over the field. I think Davis is definitely the cover guy everybody should be watching as a riser. He's that track athlete. He's got ball skills. He's played corner before. I mean, we're going to get to see him when we get to see Cal. 
which will be exciting. I'll tell you what, guys. I rewatched the Alabama LSU game, uh, and Delpit missed tackles on Najee Harris oh. multiple times. He, and Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy put him in the dirt. He just doesn't with wrap that up. Juke move. He's just throwing no. his shoulder around. It's like Najee Harris is six two two thirty. What do you like? You can't. I know people don't want to hear this, but that's the stuff I saw from Derwin James his last year as well. Yep. And a lot of people got on me, and I still had Derwin ranked highly, and I like Derwin a lot. But that's what we saw from him at Florida State. So it always, I always wonder. Okay, well, is he going to turn it back on with Delpit? Once he gets in the league, is he going to stop tackling like that? Because it is maddening. And this is Alabama's not the first time this year that's happened. Right. I think it's been going on all year with him. And even some lapses in coverage ability. And yeah. He is really, I don't know if any player has been more disappointing for me this year than Grant Dell. Oh, number because one. For I did me. have him very high on the board. I thought he was going to be a generational type safety that we had not seen before. And he has not lived up to it this year. You know, he's actually, and like, he kind of gets this rep of being like a physical freak, but he's not. Because he's 6'3. But, but he's not, like, he's right. not, like, cut up. Like, I'm sure he's in good shape. No disrespect, but I just I don't get it. All right, Buffalo Grumblings. Name a quarterback, running back, and wide receiver we are talking about now, but will be in the spring. He mentions Josh Jacobs as an example. I'll say this about Jacobs last year. Um, not to say that you're wrong, but we I had been told that he wasn't going to come out. And mm. so we we just really didn't talk about him because everyone at Alabama said, nah, he's going to come back. And even he was saying this up until the deadline, basically. Yeah. He didn't know if he was going to come out or not. So I think that's why um, why Josh didn't get a lot of play. But if I had to pick one quarterback right now, quarterback's really, really hard because we so overanalyze them. This is not one that I agree with, but a name I've heard a lot of is KG Costello at Stanford, who we're going to see in about 10 days. I'm not a huge fan on tape, but we could see him. Rising up the board a little bit. At running back, I would have said Clyde the Glide at LSU. But then last week happened. I think Kylan Hill at Mississippi State is still a good running back. Not that he'll make that round one jump or anything, but a good running back nonetheless. And then a receiver. Now, I'm going to steal a name that our guy Jim Nagy gave us uh, last Saturday. Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. He is a playmaker. And he's going to have a big senior bowl week. Yeah, I, I really like him, too. Uh, as far as quarterback, I think a guy that we're going to hear a lot is going to be Jordan Love. I, I don't like him. I really don't like his tape from last year. I haven't watched a lot of him this year. It's been worse. It's it's not good. I still think that the NFL is going to put his name out there, that teams are going to fall in love with him. I do think we'll hear a lot of Jordan Love, but I, I don't like his name. I think you'll hear it a lot. At, at running back, I'm going to go with Oklahoma running back Trey Sermon. I think that he has been... Uh, kind of buried on a depth chart there for That's a while, and I. But I think that he is very athletic, and I think he's going to come out. I like him a lot for what he can do. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Six foot two twenty, junior running back. Been very productive in this offense so far. As far as receivers go, a name that you're probably going to hear a lot. I think we've just already heard a lot of them. There's the small school guy. Uh, Golden Candy. Yeah, from Liberty. He's probably going to start to get some more attention. Uh, I think a lot of people in the Twitter draft scout community like to be the first person on a receiver or on a player. So he's got a lot of buzz already. But I do think once we see him able to play with guys at a higher level level than Liberty, we're going to start to hear his name a lot more. I think quarterback is someone we talked about earlier during the picks. I just don't think he'll declare, but Newman from Wake Forest has a lot of physical tools that you like. But now that Surratt's out for the year, you have to wonder how good will he look against a Clemson defense that's just going to run over the Wake Forest offensive line. But I I think Newman is someone that's gotten really no buzz this year who has a chance to go into that conversation. Running back, Keyshawn Vaughn. Vanderbilt's had a miserable year. We really liked Vaughn last year. When Vaughn goes to the Senior Bowl and everybody watches him run at practice and catch the ball, they be like, oh, he's tailor-made to dominate in the NFL, at least as a change of pace back. So no yep. buzz for Vaughn this year. That'll pick back up during the draft season. And wide receiver, you're right. We really have talked about everyone. I, I think Justin Jefferson doesn't really get enough love. And LSU's been great, but it's almost like, look at this throw from Joe Burrow. But it's never, the conversation as a draft prospect isn't about Justin Jefferson a lot. So it'll be interesting to see who see who declares out of these guys. That's the most important thing. Yep, it will be. Especially at a, a position like receiver because you really have no idea. 
who is going to no. declare. It seems like almost all of them will come out. So it will be interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, I think we should probably men- mention the Tennessee receivers. I don't yes. know if your mentions have been blowing up. But Their numbers are good, but Jennings can't run. He can't. I, He's I a tough guy, I haven't been though. real impressed with him. Yeah, he is tough, but like... That's late round shit. Oh, he, like, yeah. He's really a special teams player. Like, not a. I mean, yeah. I agree. I, Callaway hasn't move. put up a lot of, like, great production either. I, I, I don't have either one of them very high on the receivers list. Like, going down my list, I'm through 10, and I don't have either one of them there. Oh, I don't either. I have them, like, both around seven at this point. And, and again, like, oh, you want to play special teams? Like, that's cool. Chase Claypool will be the other receiver that I really like that the. I think we'll get a little bit more buzz. Hey, one thing, like, I want to stay on this for a second. A lot of guys like this get, like, their name gets pumped up because, like, they're good in, in college. Like, they have a lot of numbers. But, like, I, like remember last year, like, Hakeem Butler went in the fourth round. Like, Kelvin Harmon went in the sixth round. Like, Happens guys all the time. who are, like, big names, like, good college players. Bryce Love went in the fourth round. I know injuries played into that. But, like, just because a guy produces in college doesn't mean he's going to be a, a good NFL prospect. Benny Snell, fourth round. Like, a lot of the names were last year at this time, people were getting mad at us. Like, why aren't you talking about Benny Snell more as a draft prospect? It's because he was a fourth rounder. Like, he's not a top 100 player. So just like something to keep in mind, not to be the dude like shouting at people because we want to have conversations with you guys. But if we're not talking about a player, there's usually a pretty solid reason. All right, last question from Peyton Finley. She's a big Clemson fan. You can go back in time to the 2016 draft and warn Jason Light what's to come. Who do you recommend he drafts instead? Now, I tweeted this this morning, and I don't know if this is where Peyton got it from, but the first three picks for Tampa in this draft, Vernon Hargraves, Noah Spence, and Roberto Aguayo, and they traded up to take Roberto Aguayo. So when you talk about the 2016 NFL draft, I actually think this is a good draft. I saw some Bucks beat writers being like, well, that was a bad draft for everybody. No, it wasn't, sir, because the Jacksonville Jaguars got Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, and Yannick Ngakwe. The fucking Cowboys got two cornerstones of their team with Zeke Elliott and Jalen Smith. Not just that. I mean, like, they uh, they got Malik Collins. Who else did they? They had someone else. Right. Not a bad draft for everybody. Not bad. I think the Eagles and Rams are still happy with those two quarterbacks they have. Chargers. Well, they got Dak in the fourth. That's Probably like Joey Bosa, too. Right. Yeah. So if I were going to warn Jason Light and uh, they picked, uh, let me sort this. They picked 11th overall. They took Varner Hargraves. Laramie Tunsil went 13th. That's what I would say. I would slap Jason right in the face and say, who cares if he's taking a bong hit out of a gas mask? Put a gas mask on on stage when you greet this motherfucker because he's going to be the best left tackle in football in three years. And your left tackle sucks. So that's what I would have said. And uh, I think it would have been pretty simple. This was like such a good draft. I don't know. I I, I would probably say that, you know, Jalen Smith is going to be healthy. It's going to be all right. You can take him top 10 because that dude can play in any defensive system. Xavier Howard went 38. How about this one? They passed on Michael Thomas twice and he's about to catch 150 passes this year so a lot of woofs and i again i want to i want to go off script here a little bit i had some people today be like but you liked hargraves and spence and here's what i would like to say to that i am one guy trying to scout 500 players the buccaneers employ an entire fucking team of scouts they have 30 people doing my job they should be wrong a lot less than i am with the resources that they have as evaluators so Yes, I liked both those players. I am also wrong about that. One guy. Sorry, that was my rant. Yeah, I mean, and you keep looking at this draft. You scroll down a little bit. The Bucks could have had Christian Hackenberg. Uh, had they <laughs> I was going to say it. <laughs> oh. oh, man. You know, Memories. Kevin Byard went seven pick, six picks after Roberto Aguayo. I don't even care that they missed on Hargraves and Spence. The Aguayo trade-up is maddening. It is, like, so frustrating on so many I think a lot of people panicked and were like, oh, my God, they're moving the field goal attempts back. We have to draft a kicker. They're going to be so much more valuable. The philosophy gave the Chiefs a third and fourth round pick for that, by the way. (laughs) Thank Uh, you. One of my favorite uh, stories from my career at Bleacher Report that I can tell is when this pick came in and Chris Sims and I are sitting on the desk and he looks at me and he goes, I am not fucking paid to, to grade kickers. And he gets up and walks off set. He gave it a K eventually. <laughs> okay. A yeah. K for We kicker. had to like coerce him back on set. He's like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> like, no, really, you actually are paid to grade kickers. That is the worst draft pick I've ever seen. Not, I mean, they're like really? bad picks. Like Trent Richardson ends up like a bad pick. But at the time... 
those weren't bad valuations. You don't take a kicker. The players ended up not being good. To trade up to draft a kicker in the second round is the worst pick I've ever seen. Yeah, that's a bit of a stretch. For a guy that did he ever even kick for the Bucks? He did, just not well. Well, he tried. One year. Yeah, he he connected. I think he's going to be in the XFL. He was there one year. Oh, yeah. Comeback's coming. Look out, world. Oh, maybe not. We'll see. He had the worst field goal percentage in the NFL his rookie season. He had the best in college, though. That's not true, though. Didn't he set, like, the mark for the most So that's actually not true. Well, myth busted. Yeah, no, that's like one of those things, like, he's the most uh, accurate kicker ever. That is not true. I I don't know where that stat comes from. So, God. I'll tell you, I haven't spent a lot of hours He was 69 of 78 on field goal attempts. That's not the best ever. That's good, but maybe it was like the best from forty plus. He never missed an extra point. There's that. Well, Well, that's in college. It's like a three foot kick, right? (laughs) I honestly, I I literally can make that. I'm an awful kicker. Wait, I want a YouTube show of all of us trying to make bill goals. Cause like, we're sitting here talking shit. Like, I can make that. <laughs> I just said yards. I could go 50. I'll do it. I'm not shit. going crazy. I want to do it. I want to bench 225, and I want to kick field goals. All right. This show's getting weird. It's time to say goodbye. We'll be back Monday afternoon. Connor and I will be here getting you caught up on everything you missed over the weekend. Um, and then Wednesday we'll be back, and then Friday we'll be back. And then we'll be off to Stanford. So hopefully, if you are in California, come see us out there. From Connor, Matt. We'll talk to you real soon.